So, uh, if you've been here at all this year, and if you haven't, we're so glad to have you here this morning. But we, we started 2023 with a series called Connect. And the reason is because as a staff, we've decided that that's going to be our word when we think about the ministries of the church. Looking for ways, asking that question, how can we facilitate connection with Meridian Church of God? Because the church is always about the people. So, so we've done that. We've started with this series. And one of the questions I've asked myself is, what prevents me from connecting with other people? And as I've had several weeks to wrestle with that, one of, one of the things that I've identified is that for me, a lot of times, it's just a fear that I won't know how to respond to everyone. Or I, I fear that maybe like I'm off, you know, and I'm just not feeling it. And if I get into it, I might project something the wrong way. I might say the wrong thing or just have the right kind of wrong kind of attitude. And people wonder, like, what's wrong with him or maybe think that I'm a little strange or something like that. But maybe fear is behind that or just this idea that, hey, I, maybe I maybe I won't know what to say, what to do, and I'll just get caught. And sometimes it just seems so much easier just to disconnect or to be isolated or to be away. Uh, so I, I know that all of us have struggles at times. I'm not in, alone feeling like I, I'm a little bit disconnected or I, I'm struggling to connect with someone else. And it may look a little bit different from you. But today as we're, we're thinking about this and, and all of us have these different feelings of disconnection or isolation, loneliness, or maybe feeling like an outcast. So if you ever feel like that, you're probably, you're in the right place and you're surrounded by a bunch of people who can relate to that to you. Uh, so as we're looking at how to address this, we're going to go to this one letter written by Paul. And one of the beauties of this letter is that Paul is uh, expressing a desire to connect. He's speaking to part of our desire to connect. Uh, most of the books, so if you're not familiar with the New Testament, there are 27 books in the New Testament. Uh, about half of them, it said that the Apostle Paul wrote them. The Apostle Paul uh, came to Christ a little, a little bit after Jesus died and resurrected and ascended into heaven. And, and he was a big part of a leader in the church who went to other places and started these churches. So the, the letters that we recognize, there, there are certain letters that Paul wrote to locations, church, churches in these places. Uh, Romans, written to Romans. And, and that's one, that's the first one in the New Testament that's written by the Apostle Paul. And that one's kind of interesting because that is one that Paul did not plant or start. And so we'll get back to that theme a little bit later. Okay, let me, Luke, let's see, wait, Luke, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. So Corinth, he planted that one. Uh, Philippians, Ephesians, he planted those churches. Thessalonians, he planted the church in Thessal, Thessalonica. Uh, but but the, the letter that we're looking at today is called Colossians. And this one is really unique because Paul did not church, uh, plant the church in Colossae. <clears throat> and, it, and we think it's a little bit different than Romans. That's the other church that he wrote to that he didn't plant. Because Paul had a unique relationship with it. We'll get, we'll get into that a little bit later. But Colossae was in the country of Asia Minor at the time. It's modern day Turkey. And it was about 120 miles east of Ephesus. So about 120 miles east of Ephesus, which is a very important New Testament 
city. Uh, the book of Ephesians, Paul spent a lot of years in there. It's thought that maybe John and Peter and Jesus' mom, Mary, even lived in Ephesus for a while. As this big city is important. One of the churches in Revelation. So about 120 miles east of that big, important city of Ephesus uh, is where Colossae was located. It's about nine miles to the next, Colossae is pretty small, about nine miles to another city that is important because it's in Revelation, Laodicea. Now that that congregation, we'll get back into that a little bit, but that's just a little bit of a background. So we're going to start in Colossians 1-4 that gives us a little bit of the background information into the stuff that I've talked about. Uh, So Colossians 1-4 says, For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And then he says a little bit later in Colossians 2.1, I want you to know how much I have agonized for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. And then a little bit later, he says, after you have read this letter, he's talking about the letter he's writing, Colossians, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so that they can read it to you. And you should read the letter I wrote them. So there we see we have this letter still, Colossians. We don't have the letter that he wrote to the church in Laodicea. And if we did, there would be a church called Laodiceans or something like that. And we would all know how to pronounce it instead of just kind of fumbling through it. Uh, but so the question is, so we don't have that letter that maybe makes us a little bit curious. Wonder what he wrote to that church. It would be so cool to see what he said to them. But there are these two churches that are located nine miles away from me. Two cities located nine miles and they were to exchange letters. And so the question remains, how was Paul connected to Colossae? Already mentioned he didn't plan it. Uh, he said, heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. So, and he's agonizing for this church that he's heard of. Well, Colossians 1.7 gives us the answer. It says, you have learned the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. Epaphras. So we're going to do this thing today where we're going to pretend like this is a children's book. Because that's about our level, I think. So because it may get confusing. (laughs) Have you ever heard of the books Who Was? There are these great books for children. I'm a biography history person, so I love these. If I would have been a kid when they had these Who Was books, I would have been devouring these. So, so children can read these books, kids can read these, adults can read these books, and get just a general snapshot of these people from history. You see some of the ones up there. Um, and uh, so the question is, who was Epaphras? That's going to be our book today. So what we know about Epaphras, he's not a household name, is he? You, you, that, that name may not even be familiar to you. Uh, it's probably you don't know any kids named Epaphras. So who was Epaphras? He was an important leader in the early church. He was a companion of Paul. And he was the one who started the church in Colossae. Now, the, the scriptures don't give us all the information about him. But kind of the general theory about who Epaphras was. This is kind of reading between the lines. So it's not truth or something that's, that's completely factual. Uh, but the idea is that a lot of biblical scholars guess is that Epaphras had traveled, made that trip to Ephesus while Paul was living there in Ephesus. And he met Paul. 
And he became a follower of Christ, meeting Paul. And then when he went back home to Colossae, he just started telling people about Jesus. And that's how the church got started there. So who was Epaphras? Again, he was a companion of Paul uh, who may have met him in Ephesus and he started this church. So one of the, I think, really cool things about the book of Colossians, Paul is like the grandfather of this church. It may be the only letter that we have where Paul functions as the grandfather. He had met somebody and somebody had come to Christ under Paul's ministry and then Epaphras had traveled. And so he was like Paul's son in the faith. And so Paul here is like the grandpa writing to his grandchildren in Colossae. So I think that's one of the interesting things, the uniqueness of Colossians. Maybe why we see a little different side of Paul writing as a grandfather. Uh, There's some more clues. Colossians 4.10 and 12. Uh, Paul acknowledges that he's in prison. Now, I kept the name of the person in prison because I didn't want to throw too many names. It's already confusing enough. We're trying to get to know Epaphras. And so we left that. But we know that Paul is in prison. And then he goes on to say that Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. So Paul is stuck in prison. We think probably a Roman prison. And Epaphras, this guy who has started the church in Colossae, is with Paul. Um, So Paul cannot physically write the letter and then travel to Colossae to meet these people he's never met. He's dependent upon messengers. So as we think about this, messengers were really key people. They weren't mail people. I I love the postal service and UPS and all that. But their their job was more than just taking a letter and delivering it. Think about the task. If if Paul is indeed in Rome, like we think he is, and in prison, perhaps it involves smuggling a letter out. Now, we don't know if they had to smuggle or if they let the letter go out freely. But then there's a 950-mile journey from Rome by land and by sea to Colossae. It was pretty expensive, treacherous. And once they got there, they didn't just drop the letter off in the church mailbox and leave. They brought and taught the letter. The messengers were the first ones to read it and teach it or preach it. So they, they talked to Paul. You know, if you, maybe Paul would say, hey, if, they, if you get this question, this is what I'm thinking. So they had to know Paul. They had to be in Paul's mind to be able to, again, they brought it and they taught it. They were, they were teaching this letter. So the messenger is really key. So who would you expect for Paul to send from Rome, 950 miles, land and sea, to, to preach this letter and explain this letter uh, to this, these people that he hadn't met. And he's trying to establish a connection. Um, <clears throat> I would expect maybe Epaphras, right? I mean, we know he started it. Uh, so he's, the people trust him, but, but he doesn't. And again, another thing that I want to throw in, this is really crucial, um, We mentioned another letter that Paul didn't personally uh, know the church, had never personally been to Rome at the time that he wrote Romans. And the messenger is really key because Romans is probably the most dense book that we have in the New Testament. And Paul chose a really trusted leader in the church who brought first brought and taught Romans. And her name was Phoebe. And that's one of the reasons there's some things in Paul's letters that are a little bit confusing Uh, But Paul chose female teachers 
and preachers. And that's why we do in our church too. Uh, so that's just a little side point there about Phoebe was the one chosen to first bring, bring and teach Romans. Which is a really big deal. Uh, so if not Epaphras and Phoebe wasn't around, who is he going to send? So Colossians, let's go to Colossians 4, 7. It says, Tychicus will give you a full report about how I am getting along. So there's another name. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. So here we go again. We're going to do another who was. Who was Tychicus? Right? Now, if you're not familiar with this name, again, that's okay. The only reason why I know it a little bit is because I wrote a sermon on it. And it was kind of funny this past week. I was with a group of guys and we were doing this uh, Bible study in Colossians. And somebody was asking who was Epaphras and Tychicus. And I couldn't even remember which one was which. So like I couldn't even quite get it. So it gets a little bit confusing here. But Epaphras was the one who planted Colossae, the church there. He was still with Paul in Rome. Who was Tychicus? Tychicus was the messenger sent from Rome to Colossae. And he was the first one to, who brought and taught the book of Colossians. So he was a real key leader. So again, he was unfamiliar to us, but very important in the New Testament. And not only did was Tychicus the one who brought and taught Colossians for the first time, but we also know from Ephesians 6.21... Paul writes, to bring you up to date, Tychicus will give you a full report about what I am doing and how I am getting along. So we have these guys. So if you go out there and you're asked who was Epaphras and who was Tychicus, if you don't know, that's okay. All right? Because I I would forget to. (laughs) But Tychicus had the key role of these two letters. So that's kind of the thought, too, that maybe when Paul was writing these letters, he's sending Ephesians and Colossians. And there's one other letter, too, that may have been carried because Tychicus wasn't alone. So because now it doesn't matter if we remember those names, we're going we're gonna to switch to a different game than the Who Was books, Right. So when you you hear who was Epaphras, what comes to mind? Those of us who didn't grow up with those books, what comes to mind? Let's see if anybody. What? Church planner. What if you even hear who was so-and-so? What comes to mind? Jeopardy. Thank you. My dad got it. Of course. Great minds think like that. So now instead of doing the who was, we're going to play Jeopardy. How's that sound? Because this is the one that we actually want to remember. Because Tychicus wasn't alone. This is what Paul writes in Colossians 4.9. I am also sending Onesimus, a faithful, beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will tell you everything that's happening here. So again, we're going to play Jeopardy now. Ready? You may already have the answer, so don't think too much about this. The category is New Testament for 500. Ready? Here's the answer. This slave ran away from the household of Philemon and became an important associate of the Apostle Paul. Who was Onesimus? That's right. Did you, you know, I think Jacob and Evan were the first two. Oh, Evan got it first. $500 to Evan. I don't know who's giving it to you. Maybe somebody will cover it, Evan. Who was Onesimus? 
Now this is the one we want to remember today, Onesimus, because he is more well-known than the other two that we've already forgotten their names. Who was Onesimus? Onesimus was famous because he carried another letter with him. And that letter is called Philemon. See, Onesimus was a slave owned by a guy named Philemon. And here's what we kind of think happened from the narrative that we have. Philemon was a Christian. He became a Christian at some point in Colossae. Paul actually probably knew him. He seemed to know who Philemon was. Onesimus ran away. Probably ran away where you could go hide in the Roman Empire at that time. Rome. Find a place to hide. And at some point, Onesimus ran into Paul, came to Christ, and became this very valued member of the team. It's a big, really, really big deal that Paul chose Philemon to be the one who brought and taught Colossians. Or Onesimus to be the one who brought and taught Colossians. Think about what this might be like for Onesimus. A guy who had left, ran away from home. There's a guy who legally owned him. Now, slavery in the Roman world was different than the slavery that that was big in the United States with the race-based chattel slavery. So um, it, it's a little bit different, but it's still rough. It's a it's a different it's a difficult topic. And Onesimus was owned by this guy. So this guy had a legal claim on his life. So he goes back. Paul sends him back to go preach to someone who had owned him. Now we're going to go get back into their story, into Philemon and Onesimus in a couple of weeks. So if you've got questions about it, just come back in a couple of weeks. We're going we're gonna to dive into their story more. But, but this... There's a reason that Paul chose Onesimus, and it shows that Paul really believed in the power of of the gospel to really help people connect. And the power of his claim from Galatians 3.28, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. There's something in the gospel that helps people connect, that sets us free to help Different type of people connect. Not because they're forced, like in slavery, but because we're free. Alright, so again, remember, we're coming back to this story in a couple weeks. But I want to go back to me. And, and the reason, the thing that maybe keeps me from connecting. Fear of not having the right response. I think the Apostle Paul wrote something really good in Colossians, it gives us some practical, practical ideas on what we can do. Because relationships, a lot of discipleship, following Jesus, is about engaging in relationships. Relationship with God and relationships with people. And that's really hard. People are complicated. Relationships are complicated. It's messy a lot of times and difficult. So with that question, what can I do to connect? Let's look at some practical words that Paul had. This is what we're gearing towards today. And this idea of connecting. Colossians 4, 5 through 6. Live wisely among those who are not believers. And make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. So that you will have a right response for everyone. You know, sometimes when you're just not feeling it. Maybe when you're tired. Maybe when you're angry. 
the, the different things that we have that happen to us, the person that really grates us. Like, because we can't always be great, but we can't always be gracious. And, and it looks different in different ways. But think about Onesimus and Philemon, the, the emotions that these two men must have felt when they're coming across each other, this runaway and, and all the different things. They probably both felt wronged in a lot of ways. But Paul chose Onesimus for a reason. He knew what, that he could handle it. It's because of the kind of person that he was. And thinking about those words being gracious in a conversation. Because that looks different in different ways. What it means to be gracious to somebody else. Uh, but I want to focus on another word in there. And that is the word response. Response. As human beings... We are built to react, right? Something happens and we react. It's natural. We feel fear, we react. We, we, we do the fight or flight or freeze. So things happen. And imagine the reactions that could have happened between Philemon and Onesimus. There's all these emotions. Is somebody going to blow up? Is somebody just going to avoid the other person? What's going to happen here? Reaction is different than response. The ability to respond. So I Googled this. What is the difference between responding and reacting? And this is what Google says. Responding, a spinoff of the word responsibility, is considerate and deliberate. Reacting, on the other hand, literally means to meet one action with another. It is immediate and rash. What controls you is reaction, but what you control is response. Man, it's so hard not to be controlled by our emotions. When, when fear comes in, when anger, whatever we're feeling, like it's just so hard not to be controlled by all that stuff. And what happens when there's a reaction? Opposite and equal reaction, right? There's, a, there's usually a chain reaction. Somebody reacts and then somebody else reacts. This happens on social media all the time, right? You see something, somebody's upset, and then you just see it descend into chaos. Because it's react, 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 react. And not a whole lot of responding. Because here's the thing about responding. It's really, really hard for us people. We're, we're like wired to react. We have to like overcome our reactions. To be able to get to that place where we can respond. I think Paul knew that about Onesimus. Because one of his requirements for servants of the Lord was kind to everyone. Able to teach, not resentful. So that's what we know about Onesimus, the slave, the former slave, is that he wasn't resentful. He had to deal with whatever. He was kind to everyone. He wasn't just reacting. He was able to get past that. I want to tell you about a man in a convertible that I sat behind. I'm going to pull my phone out again. So a few months ago, the weather was nice. It wasn't snowing. There's a top down in a convertible. The man at the, at the stoplight was looking down at his phone. The light turned green. There were people behind me. The man wasn't moving. He was still engrossed in his phone. I'm sitting there like, is there a way to, you know, like help him go? Like he's, you know, people behind are starting to get frustrated. And all of a sudden somebody decides, I don't know, 10 seconds maybe, honk. So the man looks back. It wasn't me. It was somebody behind me. Honk. The man looks back and he gave me a one finger signal. 
And it wasn't, thank you, I'm so sorry I was lost in my phone and I didn't go, thank you for letting me know. I really appreciate it. The, 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 the symbol he gave me said something entirely, and the look on his face matched it. So he eventually, after giving me a, a look that was not gracious and a symbol that wasn't gracious, he took off. <clears throat> I, I, I have this predecision that I've made, not because I'm anything great, but just because I know that when people react on the roads, nothing good happens. There's a lot of road rage. We even had a shooting here. A couple weeks ago. Like that's the kind of stuff that can happen. You see and the chain reaction start and their fights. I've just heard too many stories. And you, even though you want to show somebody or teach somebody a lesson, it doesn't really happen. So it's like I have this pre-decision. I'm going to be a defensive driver and I'm not going to try to aggravate people more. I'm going to try to take the anger out if I can. So I slowly kind of followed him. But unfortunately we got stopped and I was right behind him at the next slide. So I'm just kind of, you know, sitting there waiting for it. And he turns around and with a face of fury, just starts mouthing at me. Now I'm thinking, I look at the guy and I'm thinking, I could take this guy. (laughs) I I could get it. I would like to see you try. In fact, I wouldn't mind teaching you a lesson, convertible man. (laughs) But fortunately, my predecisions took over my reactions and as graciously with my body language as I could, tried to just mouth, hey, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. You know, so that he could, you know, get on to the rest of his life and causing spreading joy wherever he was going. <laughs> right? What happens, though? I think about that. What, what if I would have reacted in those situations? What, what happens? I mean, I wouldn't be able to use him as a sermon illustration, right? Now I could really get it back. I didn't say what color the convertible was either, so I'm trying to use some self-control. But reactions tend to lead to regrets. And that's one of the things. When we react, it feels good a lot of times in the moment. But a lot of times we look and we're like, gosh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I wouldn't have done that. But, and it's really, really hard not to live as a reactionary. But Paul said, a way to connect. It doesn't help us connect either when we react. It usually causes divisions or prevents connections. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have a right response for everyone. So the, the, the kind of the point is, let's try to be like Onesimus. Let's strive for graciousness and response. We won't get it right all the time. Like I've had a pretty reactive week and it happens. Right? But, but we can kind of step back and think, how do I want to respond to this situation? So let's listen one more time because I can't give you a good application here. But we're just going to pray that the Lord speaks to us and maybe just pay attention to any part of this verse again. We're going to read it again that speaks to you. Maybe the Holy Spirit's tapping you on the shoulder. So just pray this prayer with me. Speak, Lord. I am listening. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have a right response for everyone. Will you pray with me? God, you are so good to us. Thank you for the gospel that is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Your word says that if we come near to you, you will come near to us. Apart from you, we can do nothing. Apart from each other, we miss out on so much. We seek your help to live wisely and make the most of every opportunity. 
Lead us to let our conversations be gracious and attractive. As this is really hard, but help us to have a right response for everyone. May you use us in your ancient plan to bless all the people on the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.